0: So, a traditional Jewish, Christian, and Muslim. Hi, my president. president.
1: Hi, Katie. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. How about you?
1: I'm snazzy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for today's episode
0: of the Holy, Holy Watermelon, Watermelon Podcast. podcast.
1: <laughs> We've been on. A spiritual journey, pun intended. <laughs> We've done all the world's religions, major religions. Yeah, we talked pretty much about belief and why people believe the things they believe, which there was no answer to that question. so right. uh, We've
0: examined what a God is, what religion really is, and may or may not be, which did. of course is still way too nebulous and tricky.
1: We got into cults. Yeah. Last episode. It's been so pretty great. now I think we're ready for the real hard-hitting content.
0: Ooh, I'm ready for it. In fact, there's a nifty article that I want to tell you about.
1: Oh, before we get into it?
0: Before we get into okay. it. Okay,
1: I don't know what this the is. The
0: most read article on ExploreFaith.org in 2005, written by John M. Sweeney, well-respected Catholic author, would you guess what his article was on?
1: Probably Catholicism. One would think with the preface I gave. 2005, was there a Pope thing happening then?
0: You know, I don't remember I don't when <laughs> uh, things well, were going Benedict on. Maybe Benedict
1: in 2005.
0: You know what? That sounds close to right. I was in
1: high school when Benedict came in. Am I right?
0: Oh, I'd, I'd have to Google that.
1: I'm, clearly, I'm not right. Have to-
0: <laughs> I feel like... Benedict was new in office in 2005. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a fair guess. I like it. No, in fact, Sweeney's most popular article on explorefaith.org in 2005 was on Jediism. (gasps) (laughs) Like? The Jedi from Star
1: Wars. You're not just saying Judaism wrong. No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it's said, Preston. We've been over this one.
0: Uh, now I'm just thinking of space balls.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> she doesn't look Druish.
1: <laughs> That's a good sneak peek of our episode. So first I want to say thank you to our listener, Tim, for inspiring this episode. He specifically wanted us to talk about the Church of the Latter-day Dude, or more commonly known as Dudism. And we figured we couldn't talk for a full hour <laughs> about the Big Lebowski. So we <laughs> have put together a whole episode of Parody Religions for you today. Thanks, Tim.
0: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Thanks for that suggestion. And we've found some great material to surround this whole topic. And if you'll remember from our from our episode, <laughs> talking is hard for some reason.
1: That's bad when you're a podcaster.
0: Right. Amateurs. <laughs> if you remember from our episode about religion and what is religion, you'll remember it's way too hard to define. So you'll see some parts of these religions that will look an awful lot like they're legitimate religions.
1: And who are we to say they're not
0: right? legitimate? This is uh,
1: <laughs> part of the big questions we'll be getting into today. Um, but let's start with religious parody and religious satire as sort of a high level and then we'll get into some of the fun specific ones like judaism and Dudism.
0: for sure all right you did a little bit of research on what most school teachers will tell you not to do but it looks really good and it's worded really well what do you got uh, <laughs> i don't know
1: i feel accused uh, <laughs> he means i went to wikipedia <laughs>
0: Wikipedia is not a source in itself, but it is an excellent tool for research. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise.
1: So basically, Wikipedia defines a parody religion or mock religion as something that challenges conventional or mainstream religious belief. It can parody several religions or it can...
0: Or it can be a little more focused. Or it
1: can be a little more focused. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, or it cannot be based off of any particular religion at all. It could
0: just be the uh, the idea of religion in general. Or a con-
1: yeah. I was going to say a commentary on religion. Yeah. Yeah. So that is what a parody religion is. But as Preston mentioned, there are, this is where it gets so convoluted, there are beliefs and practices that look more conventionally religious and then how do you separate someone who's perhaps just taking the piss from someone who legitimately believes and how can you tell right you can't as per our belief episode you can't tell someone that they're just if they're telling you that they genuinely believe in Jediism who are you to say that they're not or that they're wrong or that it's a joke religion this becomes I mean, Convoluted.
0: it's it's tricky to say you have a place to tell them that their religion that is obviously new and constructed on popular culture is nonsense and that they're wrong. But
1: when yours was but just 2000 years ago.
0: <laughs> <right>. But
1: <laughs> I said it. I said what I said.
0: You can't tell somebody that they don't get to believe a thing. If their experience tells them that they do.
1: Well, and we'll get, uh, we'll I, we'll touch on proof of burden today. Oh,
0: for sure. Um,
1: and we'll touch on proof of burden even more next episode teaser. Um, yeah, we'll talk about proof of burden uh, today in, because that's a big part of parody religion, I think. Um, mm. And I have some favorites for that very reason. Of course. A, as an atheist, of course. There's also religious satire, and if you've been on our Discord, I've been calling this episode satirical religions. And satire is not quite the right term for it, but religious satire is a—it's a thing. It's a thing, and this feels as good of an episode as any to bring it up,
0: mm-hmm. for sure. And a little bit, like very similar, but slightly distinct from that
1: satire parody. Let's all go back to high school English class, <laughs> right?
0: A little bit different, but still connected, is the satire, which targets clergy, which doesn't show up a whole lot in parody religions, but you'll definitely see loads of this phenomenon if you follow a handful of our favorite comedians, maybe.
1: (laughs) And even you'll see it in political cartoons if something's topical. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so that that satire which targets the clergy is definitely more of a political satire than a religious satire because you're targeting a person in a position of authority rather than the beliefs of the group.
1: So my understanding... And jump in, please. Is that (laughs) the difference between a a parody religion is, so parody religion is, I don't want to say entirely new ideas because we know that's wrong, but it's its own entity, whereas religious satire is critiquing an existing religion in a hilarious way. (laughs) Um, And I honestly didn't even think about this example until I was reading up on it, but Life of Brian, Mm -hmm. and even um, to some extent Monty Python and the Holy Grail, is a great example of religious Attire, where they essentially make fun of the life of Jesus. I'm not the messiah. (laughs) He is the messiah. (laughs) And this comes up more with satirical religions and parody religions, but it's this idea of freedom of speech and how much we're allowed to have a commentary. Especially this idea of making fun of a religion. How What level is appropriate? I think, you know, from our podcast where we stand on that, I don't actually think religious satire is a bad thing.
0: I think it's healthy to be able to criticize both people for their actions and the thoughts that they are willing to hurt others to protect. For sure.
1: (laughs) And I also think like, If you're going to be critiquing anything, especially something so serious and where people can get hurt, why not do it with humor? Right. It just makes it that much more comfortable.
0: It makes it more palatable, too.
1: Right. If you can laugh at yourself or your group or whatever, or even, you know, at others, then that's a lot better than fighting each other, I think. Right. (laughs) That's... My thought on religious satire. I think that's probably all we'll touch on it today. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. So as I alluded to in episodes past and the beginning of this episode, just a little bit, there's some big questions that I want to keep in mind as we look at these religious parodies and Weird pseudo-religions.
1: Parareligions. Parareligions. Even. I was going to bring that sure, back up again. I
0: like it. So the real question, the big question with sub-questions is, <laughs> is it fair to call them religions at all? Remember, we don't have one solid everybody agrees on this definition of religion. So things get tricky already.
1: I, not having the, I was dove in. Dived into the conversation yet?
0: <laughs> Your verb uses. I don't. I don't awful. actually.
1: I don't. <laughs> Not having gotten into the meat of the conversation, my guess is that it's a spectrum. Right. Spectrum. I think I said that too quietly. Spectrum. <laughs> spectrum.
0: So some ideas that can help us with this question. Again. Pretty subjective and tricky, but we're going to go ahead anyway. Um, Number one, are they real systems of deeply held beliefs? Some people genuinely deeply hold that Jesus is their savior or that Muhammad is the last prophet that there ever can be. And some similar tiered values we're going to see in some of these groups. There's also the question of belief that is hugely important to those people who like to undermine the claims of some of these groups that they can only be joke religions and should never be taken seriously. But does religion bear the prerequisite of full dogmatic belief in each of its doctrines? What about those people who belong to various churches that happen to doubt one or many of their doctrines or are straight up skeptical of the whole thing, but still belong to the community? Mm -hmm. So maybe you don't have a connection to the force, but you still identify as a Jedi. Who gets to tell you you're not a Jedi?
1: (laughs) Nobody, Preston. Nobody. I... Almost want to answer one of your questions now, but I don't know if I so if I'm jumping the gun.
0: Go for it. Are you going broadly, or are you thinking of a specific religion?
1: Uh, I can speak quite broadly, and I'll bring it. Go for it. (laughs) Preston has mentioned like how deeply do some people believe, and of course, I've already said it. Take a shot. It's a spectrum. So I'm sure for each of these parody religions that we're about to talk about, there are people who hold this. Deeply as a belief, seven billion people. Of course, there's someone who really, 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 truly <laughs> believes in the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, for example. But that being said, <laughs> and and pastafarians are one of them, that their parody religions as a critique of religion. So I, there's, I'll point them out when we get to them that there are these set of parody religions we're going to talk about, where the whole idea is that believing in a higher power can't be proven so i would say in the that group which like i said i'll point out those beliefs are less deeply held because it's just a critique of
0: Yeah, some of the groups we're going to look at are definitely just exercises looking at russell's teapot and -hmm. others are Actual committed philosophies.
1: Let's do <laughs> the Russell's teapot at the end, and we'll do the actual philosophy. Oh, for First, sure. I didn't separate them that way in the notes, but now I'm like, that would probably be a good way to do it. Yeah, let's so do it. We're gonna we're improvising, guys.
0: All right. Now, according to the request that launched this whole idea, we're gonna start with the Church of the Latter Day Dude. Church of
1: the Latter. I love that name <laughs> so much. Pretty great. <laughs> Church of the Latter Day Dude, or Dudeism.
0: Right. So it's mostly inspired by the film The Big Lebowski.
1: Where he is called the dude. (laughs) The
0: dude. (laughs) Good old Jeff Bridges. Super chill most of the time.
1: (laughs) And he's not a dudist himself, but he thinks it's pretty rad that dudism
0: exists. (laughs) Wouldn't you? If you did a movie and everyone is like, we're starting a religion based off of your portrayal of this character in this movie... You'd be flattered too.
1: You know what? (laughs) I didn't
0: like the big Lebowski. Oh, the movie's not that good.
1: (laughs) Okay. I was like, I feel like that's a really important I watched it with your wife probably ten years ago.
0: And she hates We both
1: hated it. (laughs) So I don't want to digress too much, but
0: I had to watch it without her.
1: (laughs) So Preston's wife and I went to school together and we had a school project that was themed on the big Lebowski. And so the It sounds cool, but the teacher made us watch The Big Lebowski in class. And this is university, right? Like two free classes of university for a movie. Like that's elementary school stuff. (laughs) And we just, we couldn't stand it. And I was just like, (laughs) sorry, probably to Tim. I assume you like The Big Lebowski if you're into dudism. Uh, And anyone else who's listening, but we're going to cover it for you anyway. I got a
0: side I can thought. I move my... Okay. <laughs> I just realized this. So I'm sharing this with, with everybody all at the same time <laughs> through this wonderful medium of the podcast Uh-oh. where none of this is actually contemporaneous. So I just realized just now the Big Lebowski mm-hmm. is basically the same thing as John Wick. Just replaced the dog with the carpet. And John Wick got several sequels.
1: (laughs) I don't know what he's talking about.
0: Somebody out there in radio land knows what John Wick is. Oh, I know.
1: Somebody's (laughs) going to like hop on our Discord and be like, Katie, well, you know what this is. Here's a link. But I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm sure it's a great analogy. I'm really proud of you. For
0: those who know, they'll be like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Or maybe they'll disagree with me and we can chat it up on our Discord server.
1: (laughs) Which we're clearly plugging. (laughs) All right, Church of the Latter-day Nude is based off the Big Lebowski, as you said. It also has some tenets of Taoism in it, which we didn't spend an episode on Taoism, but it's similar to Shintoism, a little bit like Buddhism. It's very... It's
0: more complicated than Shintoism, yeah. but but similar in a lot of ways.
1: It's very <laughs> reflective.
0: Very reflective.
1: And very meditative. So, yeah, something mm-hmm. maybe we'll, we'll do an episode on Taoism one day, but it's very similar to Buddhism or Shintoism in that you are trying to elevate yourself and remove yourself from the everyday cares and sufferings of the world. So,
0: it's kind of interesting that even though this is a new religion based on a pop culture phenomenon. The practitioners of Judaism tend to take it pretty seriously. They do,
1: yep. This is one of those ones where, (laughs) yeah, people take it pretty seriously. There's lots of books on it and lots of like doctrinal readings. They're Mm -hmm. all like, I mean, they're all very modern. Yeah. In comparison, the Big Lebowski is fairly new compared to, you know, the Bible.
0: (laughs) For sure. (laughs) With that comparison, yeah.
1: So, Buddhists have a doctrine that will actually look quite similar to the Buddhist doctrine. I actually saw a comparison side by side on life is suffering, you can overcome suffering, and what's the third point I'm missing?
0: Wasn't the third point the escape is nirvana?
1: Something, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so there's those three same questions are asked relative to Dudism. Yes. And what are those answers? So... Dudism
1: is trying to liberate us from thinking that's too uptight. Yeah. Life is suffering. Uh, dudism is trying to bring us to the state of just taking it easy, man.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> and how do we get to this state is by abiding. The abide. So the, there's uh, the... There's its mirror in Buddhism.
0: Right. It's nice and simple. Just relax. Let it be. It's very Zen. Yes. It's pretty great. There's a a lot of philosophies that have been picked through to pick out the the most easygoing bits (laughs) to make this philosophy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They're high holy days. Is March 6th it's the day of the dude? <laughs> it celebrates the release of the Big Lebowski in theaters.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> mean, I if think... you're gonna pick any day, why not that? I
1: mean, how else <laughs> would you pick that? I,
0: <laughs> all right, and even you can be ordained as a dudist priest. There's about 600,000 in the world.
1: That's a very high number.
0: Right? Like, that's that's alarming. That's more than half a million.
1: Yes, 600,000 <laughs> is more than 500,000. Very good.
0: But I just like, when the word million is yeah. useful, it helps to actually use it that's to true. understand scale. I'm sorry. <laughs> 600,000, just like, that's, that's a number you stop paying attention how big it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: More than half a million.
1: Yes, and you, so because you can be an ordained uh, dudist, I think it's more common in the States. Canada has stricter laws on who can perform marriages than the States, but you can perform marriages as a dudist priest.
0: Yeah, I think in Canada, it's just left up to the, prov- the provincial governments, and where we are, those restrictions strict. are quite tight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't remember if it was Judaism or Pastafarianism where there have been some serious debates on, like, who can perform. Like, is it all right to ordain a Dudist to perform a marriage? Like, is it actually a religious thing?
0: Um, That's a great question that I think was related to the spaghetti monster. I think I actually have that in our notes.
1: Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Cool. That's Dudism. The dude abides.
0: The dude abides. Nice and simple.
1: The Church of Subgenius. I don't think that's our Russell teapot, is it?
0: I don't think, I don't it, think is. it is. I don't think
1: it's pretty out there to be. It's, it's too out there.
0: Yeah. The Church of the Subgenius is a really odd group. Yep. <laughs> I couldn't really find lots of... Information that would be useful or interesting for this, but I did find a little bit.
1: It's a very like sci-fi based religion, not quite to the, obviously not like a Scientology. I don't think it has any cult tendencies, but it does have this weird scientific basis that I'll let Preston get into.
0: (laughs) So the Church of the Subgenius was founded in the 1970s around this Fictional character. I need to emphasize that this person never existed. When I
1: looked it up, I thought he existed. (laughs) So, yes, emphasize this.
0: So, J.R. Bob Dobbs. Bob is always written with quotation marks around it. No exceptions. J.R. Bob Dobbs is a, a fictional salesman back in the 50s. It is claimed that while messing around with the TV, he received a vision from Jehovah One that's spelled J-H-V-H dash the numeral one, (laughs) which sounds suspicious already, but that's not enough grounds to dismiss a thing. And... The story within this church of the subgenius is that Bob started the church back in 1953. Remember, the church was actually founded in the 70s.
1: (laughs) I mean, I like that, a different origin story. Right?
0: it's, It's totally fine to lie about your history. I mean, if you look at a lot of scholarly works looking at Christianity, loads of people say that Jesus was a collective invention mm-hmm. of his apostles. Yep. Which is tricky and unpopular, but it's a position that a lot of people hold to. Yep. And so the, the number one founder of this group, there's there's a few names that are important to this group, but the fellow named Drummond, which is an assumed name, not his name from there's birth. There's still
1: no real names
0: yeah nobody's using the real names. Smart Drummond was contacted by this Bob salesman, J.r. Bob Dobbs, telepathically Ooh. in 1972 <laughs> and then a year later, Drummond reached out to you know a few more people and over the course of a few years, they had actually collected I want to say a couple of hundred people who are committed followers. We don't know how committed I was going to ask <laughs> how big this is.
1: I don't think it's very big. It's
0: not a huge group. But people do it to be ironic. As far as I can tell, it's still around.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Which is pretty impressive for this weird religion that popped up 50 years ago.
1: That's impressive. Right? Yeah.
0: I mean... We've we've mentioned the flying spaghetti monster a few times. I really doubt the flying spaghetti monster is going anywhere. I think it's here to stay, at I least mean, he's for a while. I mean, physically
1: going because he's flying, but
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> that was
1: and a bad joke. <laughs>
0: A little bit, but I liked it. Thanks. <laughs> so one of the biggest, most important ideas of the Church of the Subgenius is that. All conspiracies, all of them, every single one, is just a lesser conspiracy to the great conspiracy. Part of me wants
1: to comment on what the great conspiracy (laughs) is, but that's not our place.
0: It's far too complicated for any one person to be able to nail down exactly what it is, which sounds like a real problem. Well...
1: I feel like this might get cut out, but Brian says that if you follow any conspiracy theory long and like far enough, it all ends up in anti Semitism. It was all the Jews. That's the great <laughs> conspiracy. It wasn't. Don't misquote me on that. Uh, but that, yeah, if you follow any chemtrails or lizard men far enough, it it was the Jews <laughs> it wasn't, but that's what it, That's the first thing I think of when you say the great conspiracies anti-Semitism
0: uh, It reminds me of um, arrested development some old guy wants to blame the dinosaurs as something that the Jews put there to confuse the Christians.
1: <laughs> <laughs> great prank I love that right Good
0: uh, it's actually kind of nifty. There was a pamphlet published by the Church of the Subgenius in 1979 that criticized all popular concepts of God, but also all New Age spirituality Interesting. as part of this conspiracy thing to control people. Um, and also the, it's more especially New Age spirituality of this idea of consumerism that the, mm-hmm. the, the two are inseparable and they really wanted to basically jam up consumerism interesting i have to admit i didn't look very hard but i didn't find any testimonials for the church of the subgenius
1: so we don't believe in it I'm
0: kidding. i mean i don't
1: <laughs> someone does
0: i think that there might be somebody that
1: does now this next one I feel like you're very excited for.
0: I think it's pretty cool. I did all kinds of research Judaism.
1: on Judaism. Oh, <laughs> Jediism.
0: It's only a couple of letters off, but they're important
1: letters. <laughs> <laughs> this the whole Yahweh Jehovah thing again.
0: I mean, there's a lot of books out there. That draw parallels between the Christian or, or the Judeo-Christian faith and Jediism and the Force in general.
1: Well, we've had this we had this conversation in our religion as pop culture episode, Jesus on the Silver Screen. I think it was episode four. It's been a minute, um, where we talk about how narratives are written mm-hmm. and the Bible and Star Wars follow the same narrative story or narrative. Um, structure it's, So, yeah, of course, there are parallels. Well,
0: the the monomyth, as described by several scholars, including Joseph Campbell, definitely looked at the big religions to construct what really is the layout of the monomyth. Yeah. And George Lucas deliberately sculpted his Star Wars story using Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces.
1: Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a story structure that's worked for 2,000 plus years. So. Yeah.
0: And so this religion that has popped up is basically just people something,
1: saying... Something, dark side.
0: <laughs> don't join the dark side. Be a good person. Follow these handful of morals that we see associated with the Jedi. And that's, that's pretty simple. Minimize your time dwelling on negative emotions. Don't become a Sith Lord. <laughs> don't become a Sith
1: Lord. Um, don't kill... Your wife with your negative emotions. Right? You're killing me, Annie.
0: <laughs> My wife and I just watched Revenge of the Sith. Nice. Like, thurs- no, it wasn't Thursday. It must have been Wednesday or Tuesday. It was this week.
1: <laughs> I haven't seen that in years. Now I kind of want to watch it. But... I
0: mean, it's not that good, but we're, no. we're doing a run through of the it's whole series. It's better than Attack of the Clowns. <laughs> yes.
1: So, Jediism is incredibly popular
0: yes i mean star wars fans all around the world are huge in number
1: there's difference between being a star wars fan and being a jedi
0: it's absolutely true and so in 2001 we saw the scope of this issue <laughs> there was a worldwide phenomenon loads of countries had their census in 2001 and
1: oh this was right after episode one came out Yeah. 2001. I was like wondering why the numbers were, we'll get into the numbers. Yeah, people were very
0: excited about the newest Star Wars movie, looking forward to the next one, hoping Jar Jar Binks had a smaller role in the next (laughs) one. Luckily he did. (laughs) And in 2001 huge numbers of people reported on the census that they belonged to the Jedi Order or that they were Jedi or that they were Jedi Knights. Variations using the word Jedi is the important detail here. That in 2001, Australia reported more than 70,000 Jedi on their census. Wow. Canada reported about 21,000. New Zealand reported 53,000 Jedi in 2001. Uh, Scotland reported more than 14,000 Jedi. And England and Wales together reported more than 390,000 Jedi. It's the fourth largest religion in that census. That's
1: <laughs> wild.
0: Yeah. There are more Jedi in England and Wales at this time, according to the census, than there were Sikhs, more than there were Buddhists. There are more Jedis than Jews in England and Wales at this time. (laughs)
1: There's (laughs) a lot of Jedi in the world.
0: Yeah. And so the biggest numbers were reported in England and Wales, which is pretty cool. What's really interesting to me is that there were... More than two thousand people in Scotland said that Jediism is the religion they were raised with. Wow! <laughs> Additionally, Scotland also reported fourteen people in the census saying that they were Siths, oh.
1: not to be confused with Sikhs. Correct. <laughs> How many people just like check the wrong box? There's no Sith box on the census, I hope.
0: They, they weren't checkboxes. They were filling fill them just boxes. right in your religion. Wow. And that's like 600,000 people. As many Dudas priests <laughs> as there are today, there were that many people telling the world and the various national census reports that they were Jedis. 20 years ago.
1: Well, and this is where we get back to that spectrum we were talking about of how many of these people believe truly. And I imagine somewhere in that 2,000 people, they mm-hmm. probably do if you were raised with it. And then I'm sure there's a huge portion that are just like, oh, it'd be funny to put Jedi on the census.
0: I mean, there's definitely a bunch of people who have just thought it'd be funny. Yeah. Almost every one of these people, though not all of them, but probably almost all of them probably identify as agnostic or atheist realistically but i bet you an awful lot of them genuinely believe in ghosts or the the possibility of ghosts maybe that might or be more correct to say
1: even just like the universal <laughs> energy yeah, yeah right? for sure arguably that's the force
0: and this idea that you just should be a good person and not give in to negative emotions I mean, that's a pretty easy thing to say. Yeah, I believe that that's good. So it's an interesting religion to look at.
1: (laughs) I love the story you put um, about the founder of the Church of Jediism. Oh,
0: yes. Yes. In 2005, there was the Temple of the Jedi Order that was registered in Texas. They were granted IRS tax exemption 10 years later, just 2015, and in 26 nope in 2006 just the year after the temple was set up in texas two jedi delivered a protest letter to un officials in recognition of international day of tolerance in their letter uh, they decided that it should be called the interstellar day of tolerance (laughs) and cited the 2001 census showing 390,000 Jedi in England and Wales as a good reason to expand this title.
1: It didn't get changed, did it?
0: Oh, of course not. Okay. <laughs> but they tried real hard. That's good. Fight
1: for what you believe in. <laughs> and arguably they're true Jedi, as in they truly as believe As much as in
0: anyone it. is.
1: Yeah, if you're going to take <laughs> that time out of your day to write a letter to the UN.
0: Right? The next year, 2007... Is a story that I love. I shared with your husband earlier. I I just, I crack up every I know, time I, I think about it. know, I it when I read it, yeah. <laughs> uh, Daniel Jones founded the Church of Jediism with his brother, Barney. Yeah, Barney. I'm just going crazy as I try and read. <laughs> uh, they believe that the 2001 UK census recognized Jediism as a religion. And that there was more Jedi than Scientologists in Britain. Truth. (laughs) He's not wrong. Right? That's pretty solid. In 2009, just a couple years later, the founder was removed from a Tesco supermarket in North Wales for refusing to remove his hood on a religious basis.
1: (laughs) Okay, this Tesco owner, this is a power move. This is big dick energy from the Tesco owner.
0: I love it. Uh, It's just wonderful. (laughs) The owner justified Jones' ejection by saying he hasn't been banned. (laughs) Jedis are very welcome to shop in our stores, although we would ask them to remove their hoods. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda, and Luke Skywalker all appeared hoodless without ever going over to the dark side. (laughs) And we are only aware of the Emperor as the one who never removed his hood,
1: he was who, call, calling out the founder of <laughs> evil.
0: He's definitely pointing out some some issues that maybe Jones might have some more allegiance to the Sith than the Jedi. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, Even that. though we definitely see the Sith without their hoods too, that's he makes a strong argument he does, as that's far what as I the said it's go. Big dick energy, and I think it's great.
1: I love it. <laughs> Another movie religion. <laughs> you should pair this episode with our tr- Jesus of a Silver Screen episode, just saying. If you haven't listened to that one,
0: makes good sense to listen me. Listen to it
1: after because it's, uh, it's a good one. And it relates to this a lot. Is a matrixism. <laughs> That's really hard to say. Matrixism.
0: Yeah, the mouth doesn't like forming those sounds that close Not together. Not in English,
1: no. um, which is based off of.
0: The Matrix, Matrix, which
1: is another uh, Neo is a Christ figure. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. So just like Luke Skywalker. So we're not. uh, It's not a far stretch to see how this can be made into a religion. It was created in 2004, which I presume is when a bunch of the Matrix movies came out.
0: Close. Um, The first one came out in 99. Wow. And then two sequels came out almost back to back in two thousand three.
1: Okay, they were good movies. I remember those better than the most recent Star
0: Wars. <laughs> Fair enough, the sequels were decent. Um, my complaint is probably the same as most other people's: that they really dumbed down the philosophical elements for the sequels.
1: Yeah, it has the four tenets of Matrixism.
0: Are you saying tenant or tenant?
1: Tenants. Tenant, tenants, tenants, tenants.
0: Tenant. Tenants. Tenants. There's only one n in a principle.
1: Not David Tenant.
0: Right. The four a tenants. A tenant is somebody who lives and rents in a or space. Or
1: you're David Tenant, the best doctor. Right. Of the entire show.
0: He's pretty great.
1: He's hands down my favorite. Anyway, <laughs> that's a different episode. The four <laughs> tenants of matrixism. Number one, they believe in a messianic prophecy. Like right. said, neo the Christ figure. Mm-hmm. Check. Number two, the use of psychedelic drugs as sacrament.
0: See, this makes a lot of people get a little uncomfortable, but is it that weird? I think it's actually pretty common for a lot of the really old primal religions. I was going to say using
1: drugs in religion is not uncommon. There's <laughs> even, I'm, I'm sure there's instances in Christianity where it's been done.
0: Oh, probably. Um, Um, Rastafarianism is like relies heavily on cannabis.
1: Yeah. Which is
0: pretty light compared to the harder psychedelics, but it's a um, perception altering.
1: Which, honestly, in the context of the matrix, makes sense.
0: Absolutely. I can see how
1: that maybe won't make matrixism for everyone, but I can see, I understand why it works in in their belief Mm -hmm. system. Mm hmm. Number three, a perception of reality as multi-layered and semi-subjective.
0: It's complicated and tricky.
1: Yeah, that's easy. Yep.
0: We talked a lot about some of these ideas in our belief episode that what is subjective is a hard thing to argue against somebody who sees them differently.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so basically everything is subjective. Pretty much. Um,
0: Reality is perception.
1: Yeah. And
0: it's, it's a problem.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I don't even think this is that weird because we should probably just look at life in general as multilayered and semi subjective. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's good. All, all religion should stick that one in, actually. It might help. And then number four is the adherence to the principles of at least of the one of the world's major religions. That's interesting.
0: Yep. <laughs> to be a true matrixist, <laughs> you have to believe in the principles of of religion. I
1: don't I don't know how I feel about that.
0: I'm curious how they outline what counts as acceptable principles.
1: Or a religion. Yeah. I, right.
0: Your question is as good as mine is. <laughs> it's it's part very of me think, Well, broad. I don't
1: like that because I don't want to adhere to anything, but then I, you know, I can, can I pick and if choose? You, There's like a handful, <laughs> like the dude abides.
0: Yeah. If you don't want to adhere to anything, do you even want to adhere to matrixism? I guess so.
1: <laughs> uh, if I like the first three, then...
0: You like the the real movies, but not the Animatrix. <laughs> <laughs> this,
1: this one hurts my head. I guess I'm not, it's not surprising. Anyway.
0: <laughs> so there is a holy day Good. for Matrixism, April nineteenth, known as Bicycle Day. Which is just, that's a weird name for the day, considering that it marks the anniversary of Albert Hoffman's 1943 experiment with LSD. So, the symbol. Lots of these religions have symbols. And the matrixist symbol is kind of obvious on the surface, but also has some baggage to it, I guess. It's the Japanese symbol, the kanji for red, which is reference to the red pill that one takes to be r- extracted woke. from the matrix. Woke. <laughs> you get woke when you, you get, get red, woke, bro. And there's, of course, the internet phenomenon of the red pill, which has some serious baggage all on its own.
1: Yeah, different <laughs> connotations now than when matrixism started so yeah uh, we'll just gloss over that <laughs> so with those three covered four Jedi I can't either. count <laughs> <Jedi didn't>, neither <laughs> can I uh, so with those uh, pop culture ones covered we're going to go to the ones that are based off of Russell's teapot and we'll start with Russell's teapot so if you haven't heard the theory um, we'll start there So Russell's teapot is this idea that there is a teapot orbiting the planets between Earth and Mars, or the Moon and Mars.
0: Close. (laughs) It's not orbiting a planet. It's just chilling out between between Earth and Mars. Earth and Mars.
1: I thought it was moving. Doesn't. I mean, I'm sure it moves.
0: Both Earth and Mars move.
1: Um, And (laughs) this is the start of the commentary on religion and burden of proof. Um, It's used a lot in, I mean, I guess, arguments for atheism and agnosticism is that you can't disprove that there isn't a teapot between earth and Mars.
0: Right, and I don't have to prove that there is.
1: (laughs) Right, so this is where, when we talk about burden of proof, it falls on, the note I found says, it falls on the believer not in this case of the atheist, to to prove that there is a teapot, right? You can't just say, well, you can't disprove that there's no teapot. Right. No, you have to prove that there's a teapot.
0: And that's the exact way that our legal system works out. If yeah. you want to accuse somebody of something, it's not up to them to prove that they didn't do it. It's up to you to prove they did.
1: That they did, yeah.
0: And so that same principle applies here, that it's, it's not up to the atheists and agnostics to Find any evidence that there's no God. It's up to everybody who believes that He exists to prove it if they want to have this argument. Yeah,
1: or whatever you believe. Exists. Yeah. So, yeah, let's start. So, that's the Russell's teapot theory. Uh, the most famous example, I think, is the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster or Pastafarianism. You're a Pastafarian if you uh, prescribe to the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Um, So the Flying Spaghetti Monster started as a, I guess, like a counterpoint to intelligent design or creationism being taught in school.
0: Yeah, it showed up in 2005 in an open letter addressed to the Kansas State Board of Education after they decided to permit teaching intelligent design in science class, which if you know anything about science, you know that intelligent design doesn't fit in there. <laughs> yes.
1: And so the argument that um, that was made is that if you can teach creationism, then you can teach flying spaghetti monsterism.
0: They should be given equal, equal positions since they have equal scientific, scientific evidence. Backing.
1: And one thing I've read, we don't have it in our notes, but that I've read in the past about flying spaghetti monster as well is that from the commentary standpoint is that you can use the Flying Spaghetti Monster as a filter for your beliefs. So if a Flying Spaghetti Monster told you to do it, does it make sense? Or is it still okay? Right? So if a Flying Spaghetti Monster tells you to love your neighbor, okay, yeah, I can get behind that. That's not, that's not a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. If the flying spaghetti monster says you have to stay in your house when you're on the reg and saucy like me, you're like, that's kind of weird. I'm the only one that can have red sauce. I assume that's what he'd say. He'd be jealous of your menstruation. Um, then it's a little, you're like, that's kind of weird, flying spaghetti monster. <laughs> Um. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so that's uh and and pastafarians are also well known for um religious garb that um the big thing is that they wear colanders on their heads in situations where you know where people are you know arguing that they want to wear their religious garb. And just, you know, again, pointing it out so you can get your driver's license with a colander on your head if you cite religious reasons for it.
0: And, and it works in some places yes, and not absolutely. others. <laughs> there there are loads of places where they have approved for your legal ID in various forms, whether it's your, your gun license, your driver's license, whatever. There are loads of places that have said, yes, it's okay for you to have your colander on your head because it's a religious garment. And Basically, as many others saying, no, that's nonsense.
1: Just like Judaism and Jediism, you can be ordained. Mm-hmm. Um, you can perform weddings as a Pastafarian. Uh, I think you're a Pastafarian minister.
0: Yeah, it's actually I don't one know of what the. Term the...
1: Is, but as a clergy of the Pastafarians, you can perform weddings.
0: It's one of most the one of the loudest complaints against Pastafarianism is actually that the, the ordination mill, and there's a huge fight going on about what who gets to say that this religion is a legitimate religion and this religion is just an ordination mill. Who gets to decide what criteria are valid criteria to do is to decide who gets to perform a marriage?
1: Well, and then we get into <laughs> this which though, this will be a whole different episode, but the idea of what the sanctity of marriage is and, mm-hmm. um, you know, this whole idea of, like, it matters who performs your wedding. Right. <laughs> I get it. So where we are in Canada, it's quite strict because people make their livings marrying people, and that's why they're pretty strict about who's allowed to marry so that the people who do it for a living can make a living. Mm-hmm. And so that I get. But other than that it's like the
0: province employs a dozen of a dozen people basically part-time yeah. to do this as far as job creation it's not a strong action
1: no it's not but yeah anyway.
0: it's it's a move of authority that's it just yeah. look at me swing around my dick oh, <laughs> that's basically what the government's doing
1: ever got <laughs> <from this> podcast? <laughs> Yeah, so this is, like you said, this is just, a, I think, the most popular example of commentary on religion. And I'm into it. I like seeing the flying spaghetti monsters on the backs of cars.
0: Right? Uh, there are holidays for Pastafarians, too. I
1: love these. I want to be a Pastafarians.
0: The best two, in my opinion, <laughs> I, I was reading this this <laughs> is <baby>. Passover <laughs> and Ramadan.
1: <laughs> I want to celebrate Ramadan. Passed over,
0: kind of obvious, eat pasta. Ramen Don gets a little bit more specific. You got to eat ramen.
1: Ramen pasta. <laughs> I'm. Got to have
0: those instant noodles.
1: <laughs> yes. I really want ramen. Yeah. We have pho broth in our house too that I don't know what to do with.
0: Mm. Mm. So the, the biggest highlight for Pastafarians that is pretty easy to get behind, I think, is the absolute rejection of dogma and formalism. That even the the writings and the, the more well-published things that we know about Pastafarianism, they're all just suggestions anyway.
1: Well, and I think that comes back to it's basically an atheist religion.
0: Basically. Yeah. It's... it's-
1: which deliberately I, a parody. I understand that's an oxymoron but it is <laughs> yeah it is meant to question religion mm-hmm. my I love this one too the is it the church of um it is the invisible pink unicorn <laughs> so good it's an internet meme basically basically and it's it's one of those things you can't prove it doesn't exist it is both pink and invisible, at the same time. The the quote from who I assume is the creator, or uh,
0: not the creator, um, uh, Sarah Ellie. Sarah,
1: Sarah Ellie, she says, invisible pink unicorns are beings of great spiritual power. I believe that we know this because they are capable of being invisible and pink at the same time. <laughs> Like all religions, the faith of the invisible pink unicorns is based upon both logic and faith. We have faith that they are pink. We logically know that they are invisible because we can't see them.
0: (laughs) It's pretty solid.
1: I mean, (laughs) let's look at that. Let's take that lens and look at literally every religion we've talked about.
0: Right. And the adherents of the invisible pink unicorn have been around for decades The Invisible Pink Unicorn first showed up in Usenet forums for all of you. It's an internet (laughs) meme. It's
1: the first internet meme.
0: Yeah, this is so far back. This was 1990.
1: (laughs) There was like three people on the internet in 1990.
0: I mean, at the time, the internet was pretty much just for nerds and the really creepy, creepy people. (laughs) the dangerous people The
1: dangerous. they're and, still on there and people
0: running really big businesses who wanted to get on early enough to get their domain name before it got expensive I mean
1: that's really smart actually
0: yeah but those were
1: www.holywatermelon.com <laughs> we've bought it so don't try
0: right thanks
1: I know someone's like fiercely googling as I said that <laughs> no we've bought it we just don't have a website yet
0: we're working on it and yeah it's it's paradoxical by being obvious that you can't prove that this unicorn does or doesn't exist, it's because you can't see and it. It's doesn't paradoxical mean it's not there. in that yeah, it's invisible and pink. It's loads of fun. It's a cool thought experiment, and this there's a community built up around this paradox.
1: Well, I mean this is this is basically Russell's teapot. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there, right? Or insert any
0: <laughs> yeah
1: anything. Um, I just think that's a cute one. Yeah,
0: it's pretty great.
1: And the last parody, yeah, this one's uh, this one's interesting. We've talked about it before on on the Jesus of the Silver Screen episodes. So our Lady of Perpetual Exemption, which <laughs> is the John Oliver religion that he creates. I would actually call this more of a satire.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's the whole satire. thing was an exercise in satire, satire on
1: uh, as opposed to a parody on Christianity. Especially and, those
0: dirtbags that want to preach on TV and steal your money and collect your seed money yeah, for we'll, the prosperity we'll, gospel. Yeah, we're going to do a
1: whole episode on prosperity gospel and seed faith. Um, <laughs> yeah, so his is absolutely a commentary on... <laughs> sorry, I just read the quote. Uh, <laughs> So it's called Seed Faith, which this idea is that you will plant a monetary seed and then God will reward you with we'll Give abundance. you more money. So John Oliver does this whole sketch. I highly recommend it's about 40 minutes long. But because it's called Seed Faith, at the very end of the episode he says, when someone sends you jizz through the mail, it's time to stop whatever you're doing. So someone literally <laughs> sent him... Uh, He got Um, so
0: many gifts and donations.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, So this church existed for about a month, from August to September of 2015. And, yeah, it was just satire nonsense.
1: Oh, sorry. I'm just going to jump. It was also a commentary on – so obviously it was a satire of Christianity and seed faith, but also a commentary on uh, what is a religion and then how the IRS deals with religious institutions and how – convoluted that all is sorry Jim.
0: yeah it was it was a complicated multifaceted wonderful piece of satire that lasted a month and he got all kinds of donations Uh, he got giant penis statues he got bags of seeds in reference to the seed faith he got jars of semen in (laughs) reference (laughs) to seed faith (laughs) he also raised seventy thousand dollars for Doctors Without tax Borders, tax-free tax yeah,
1: because yeah, because because of
0: his church status, he raised seventy thousand dollars. He gave it all to Doctors Without Borders, which is great, awesome. I think, but yeah, that quote is a an excellent way to finish your one month long religious excursion.
1: <laughs> and it's a good rule to live by, just everyone. Yeah. Whenever you receive Jesus in the mail, stop doing whatever you're doing, reevaluate your life. <laughs>
0: I love it. John Oliver, very clever guy.
1: Yeah. To wrap up this episode, I want to revisit those questions. So, we've talked about parody religions that are based in mostly pop culture, and we've talked about parody religions that are based in atheism. Mm-hmm. So,
0: are they real are, religions? Are they
1: real religions? <laughs> Um yeah.
0: And who yeah, I think that it's it's a lot easier to say yes than no.
1: Yeah, and I think <laughs> honestly I think this goes back more to our belief episode and you can't you can't tell someone what they believe.
0: It yeah, it's nonsense. You
1: also can't you can't even police it, right? We can only do what we're doing now and having conversations around it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll always go back to my point as long as you're not hurting anyone. Who the fuck cares? <laughs>
0: right. And the question of belief, how important is that to religion? It doesn't matter if people really believe that somebody out there can wield the force for anybody to say that they belong to the church of the Jedi.
1: I guess um, I guess it depends on why you've gotten into religion. Yeah. Which is a topic we actually haven't addressed. But yeah, if you're getting into it for community, then it doesn't matter if you believe as long as you like the people you're with. Mm -hmm. If you're hoping to find a higher power, maybe these ones aren't (laughs) the right ones for you. Feel Um, free
0: to shop around.
1: Yeah. And some of them might be maybe the flying SPA monster is the higher power. I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends what you're looking for. Maybe the force is the higher power. If you're looking for answers to where we go when we die, I don't actually think any of these address that particularly well, but...
0: Not really, as far as I'm aware.
1: But I also think that's a really poor reason to get into religion. Yep. If it just because you're scared to die. But, um, yeah. So these ones probably aren't for you. If that's that's your current concern, I hope it's not your current concern. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that would be my answer of how important belief is. And of course, there's. I'm sure there's diehard pink unicorns out there. Maybe. If you're a diehard member of the Church of the Invisible Pink Unicorn, can you please email us at holywatermelonpod at gmail.com? Because I would really like to speak with you.
0: (laughs) Feel free to look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Oh, I love how
1: we're getting all this in. (laughs) Our Discord is also up on, on those social media sites if you need our Discord link to join our server. We are having a ton of great conversations. And you can always... Request episodes like our good friend Tim did. So, thank you again, Tim, for this fantastic episode. I hope you enjoyed it.
0: And thank all of you for listening. Peace, Peace be, be with, with you. you. By the late Middle
1: Ages, the Christian prophecies had